Hello everybody out there and welcome to another episode of the Talk That Talk Show with me, Barry Holmes. Uh, we got a real treat for you today. I, I hope everybody's excited. Hope everybody's had a good week because we're coming live and direct here on a Friday night for this Talk That Talk Show. Uh, it's hard, like I said, hard to believe that we're at 102 episodes, but um, there's no breaks since this 100th episode. We're just going to keep on going forward, uh, keep bringing you that heat. Uh, shout out to Doc, who celebrated her 33rd birthday. Happy birthday, Doc And then, um, yeah, man, um, we've we got a great show lined up for you. Um, if you're looking for a guest appearance, we have somebody that was previously here on the show before. Um, I think you're going to be really uh, entertained and excited, maybe surprised at times by what he says, but um, it's going to be a great episode for you all. Um, I know you've been itching since the 100th episode to get uh, some guests back in here, so, you know, without further ado, you know, I'm going to get to it a little bit later, but, um, you know, I want to definitely talk about our sponsor. I know I usually talk about our sponsors, so um, definitely want to give a shout out to Skydive Socks. My boy Savion's doing big things, helping people to get their stuff tie-dyed and uh, coming out fresh. Want to give a shout out to my boy Joe Snow and Maria over at New York Life, um, helping people to get their financial freedom daily. Um, also want to give a big shout out to my boy Timmy Hugel over at Ink Parlor, um, really helping um, to basically put my my threads out there and, and make everything dope. And um, he, he's been a big part of you know the success of this merch. And then also want to give a shout out to Air We Are. Um, it's starting to get hotter out there, so I'm going to want to hit up my boy Jeff Galato over there and see if you can get your um, you know, heating and cooling uh, in order because you know summer's right around the corner. You never know when you're going to need it. Um, but I definitely want to talk about our, our one sponsor, and that was uh, VW Liquors. Um, you know, they were actually our first ever sponsor, and um, I'm just sad to say that, you know, this will probably be our last week with them as a sponsor, uh, being that they're going to be selling the business. And, um, you know, it's sad because, you know, for me, that's a place that I it was the first place that I had gotten alcohol when I first turned 21. Um, and the amazing partnership that we've had over these past couple of years for me just starting out this uh, podcast to. Um, you know, to the point where they gave me a dope ass golf bag, which I constantly get compliments on at the golf course. Um, you know, just overall conversation, sharing those Mets conversations and, you know, just, just the overall genuine niceness that they gave me over there. And I'm sad to see, you know, them go as one of our sponsors and especially one of the staples here in Edison. And I think that, you know, definitely speaks to a large issue of just how these small businesses are struggling and, you know, just the effect that it's had. I mean, you know, Dave was telling me, you know, they had been around since the, the early 1980s and, you know, to have that business now, like I said, our first sponsor that's uh, going to get bought out and the business is going to be closing. You know, it's a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, um, if there's any time to, to have a sense of urgency to try and get some new sponsors, um, I think now is the time to do that. Um, I think it's also very easy to get comfortable with certain things and um, to get comfortable with certain sponsors that we have and, you know, to get content with where you are. So, um, you know, I look at this as a new opportunity to to go out there and see what else we can get as a new sponsorship. And um, sad to see VW Liquors go, but, um, you know, if you guys live in the tri-state area, you live in Edison, 
you know, try to give them as much business as possible before they close. Because, like I said, Dave's a really cool dude. Um, you know, he's been great to not only me, but my family as well, too. So, you know, big shout out to VW Liquors and, uh, you know, best of wishes and, um, you know, good luck in the future to Dave and all the rest of the staff over there at VW Liquors. We love you, VW. We're going to miss you. Yeah, man. So, you know, moving on from that, we got to bring the, the turns a little bit lighter here. And we got to talk about a team that I'm very happy to be a fan of. And, and I told a lot of people beforehand that there's going to be a lot of talk about them today. Shout out to my Uncle Mickey on uh, Instagram, I mean, on Facebook live stream. We got Ish. Uh, we got my boy uh, Al on our Instagram live stream. Josh. Um, what's his? Uh, we got Brian Spawn also on our Instagram live stream. Um, wouldn't have got to 13,000 downloads or, you know, wouldn't have gotten to over, you know, was it 100 episodes here if it wasn't for you all that continuously tune in. So, you know, your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. And, um, you know, one of the things, like I said, that I want to talk about is just how well this Knicks team is playing. Um, we had Carlos that said they were 11-0 against the spread. So, you know, betters like my boy Jeffrey, they've been eating on these parlays, putting the Knicks on there. But, um, you know, most importantly, the Knicks have been winning some really tough games and, you know, taking some games that maybe they shouldn't have won and really coming out with a win on top from just fighting from behind. And, you know, I think that, you know, first and foremost, somebody that, you know, did get some acclaim by getting that all-star selection, but still seems just a tad underrated. And you got to give props to Julius Randle, who I think last night scored another 40-point game. And, you know, the consistency that he's been able to lead this team night in and night out has been very, very impressive, especially coming from, you know, where the Lakers, he was outcast. He said, this guy can't play anymore. Then with the Pelicans, he did a little bit better, but still wasn't exactly quite there. And even last season, you saw some growing pains and you had people that didn't want Julius Randle to dribble the basketball. I remember... You know, Abe saying specifically, why is this guy dribbling? But now you're talking to a point this year where, you know, over 70% of the offense is getting run through this guy, where you have guards that are going up in transition and throwing the ball first to Julius Randle. And I think that, you know, for me, 100%, you got to put him in that most valuable uh, player conversation because, you know, first and foremost, uh, you talk about a Knicks team that is now in the fourth place in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, would the Knicks be in fourth place had it not been for my boy uh, Julius Randle? I absolutely don't think so. And, you know, to, to talk about the, the actual award of most valuable player, you got to think as far as who is the most valuable to the success of that team. And it's so easy to say, you know, a James Harden because, you know, James Harden's been absolutely balling. You could go and say Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell has that Jazz team playing really well in the, in the Western Conference. You could even go and just say Nikola Jokic because of what he did. You know, he's kind of fizzled off a little bit. But, you know, you're not wrong in picking those guys. But, you know, we're not hearing enough uh, Julius Randle being thrown in that conversation because, like I said, what he's been able to do with whether it's triple-doubles, consistent scoring, the leadership, I think the underlying factor, one of the things that he is not talked about a lot is just the, the work ethic that was put in by Julius Randle. You know, they talked before about how Kobe instilled this work ethic to him to uh, shooting in the gym at away games and um, 
we had a point where, you know, now that's transcended to the entire team and Tom Thibodeau's having a lockout on the day off just so these guys can take a break from working so hard. I think that's a huge, huge step in the right direction for the Knicks. And, you know, Julius Randle is a, a considerable MVP candidate, and I wish that he would get more acclaim. But I think uh, the biggest thing as far as why this Knicks team is playing so well is the fact that you have guys that know their role and understand their role. If you look at uh, previous episodes where I talk about the Knicks and before the uh, 50th episode, so I'd say like pre-50 uh, pre episodes, you know, one of the things we talked about with that Nick team was that you had a lot of role players that struggled to figure out what their role was. And David Fisdale was a great coach, don't get me wrong, over in Memphis. But what he struggled to do in New York was have these guys have confidence in their role. You know, he had guys that were playing outside of their role. And here you have where Tom Thibodeau is highlighting and excelling the... Um, the strengths of people's games and putting it into a consistently competitive team. I mean, you talk about the Knicks that were giving up countless points week in, week out, and now you have one of the top tier defenses in the entire league. You know, I think that that's something to definitely give to Tom Thibodeau because, you know, understanding roles for adults, not just NBA players, but adults is a tough thing to do. And, you know, for Tom Thibodeau to say, Hey, Frank Nilakina, you're not going to play. Hey, Kevin Knox, you're not going to play. But when you come in, you better be ready to let that thing go. And what I have seen is I've seen Kevin Knox hit way more shots than I've seen beforehand from eating that bench. I've seen Frank Nilakina, even though he can't stop a nosebleed without fouling, he's out there understanding his role of giving tough defense no matter how many minutes he's played. And then, you know, going across the board, I don't think that New Orleans Noel is somebody that's getting enough credit as well, too. When Mitchell Robinson went down, all we heard about is how terrible the Knicks' defense is going to be inside. But what we saw was New Orleans Noel create a situation that when Mitchell Robinson comes back, he might have a hard time getting that starting job back. Because what, no what we've seen New Orleans Noel do is... He's limited offensive rebounding opportunities. He's been getting defensive rebounds. And above all things, this man has been protecting the rim oh and getting gosh. blocks. Oh, my gosh. And I tell you what, especially the thing that, for me, separates this guy, New Orleans Noel, from a Mitchell Robinson is that Mitchell Robinson, great interior defender, but the guy struggles to get out of foul trouble. And what we've seen from New Orleans Noel is this guy is able to defend the rim without playing with fouls. And um, I think that's a very underrated trait, and especially where you have guys that are consistently attacking the rim. And he's been providing an excellent, excellent uh, rim protection up for there. So, you know, I got to give him a, a lot of credit as well, too. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about Derrick Rose. And, you know, what I've seen from him is, you know, somebody, again, who understand and is playing his role. Is he a starter right now? Absolutely not. But what he's coming in is, he's coming in as an aggressive offensive threat for that second unit. Sometimes with Alex Burke, you know, that's his role and when he's been going out there scoring. But, you know, Derrick Rose is really taking that opportunity to be aggressive on offense, facilitate the offense, because a lot of times what we've seen from this Knicks team is when Julius Randle is not in the game, a lot of the times the, the offense isn't as fluid at times and you have a lot of standing and watching. And what Derrick Rose does is he forces the issue and creates opportunities for those guys like uh, Reggie Bullock who might not be able to create for themselves. 
And let me talk about Reggie Bullock as somebody who hit the game-tying three-pointer. He's looking more and more confident as each game goes by. And when you look at the other teams that he was on, Reggie Bullock may have been called ass. When he was signed to this and when he was signed to this Nick team, I was like, oh man, this guy is ass. I don't know how he's gonna help us. A lot us. of people said he was ass. But what he's shown is is how great Tom Thibodeau is because he's given Reggie Bullock a definable role that he can excel in. And that's why the coaching of this New York Nick team is just an embodiment of what these guys have progressed to do. Look at RJ Barrett, who couldn't hit the side of a barn last year who's now making key clutch three-point shots. And you got to run out at the guy now. You can't just leave him open. Um, R.J. Barrett's been taking the ball strong to the basket. I mean, even if he's shooting two for ten, I mean, you have a guy that literally has no chill. And I love that, you know. Um, you have Emmanuel Quickly who's coming off the bench, and he's, you know, shooting lights out. He has the green light. I mean, sometimes you, you worry about him shooting shots four feet out from the three-point line, but the confidence that, that he's shown has been very, very, very important to the growth of the team as well because I was talking to Jeffrey about this, and I promise this is my last bit of the Knicks talk. But what I'll say is this. The Knicks are a team that has no expectations. This team, nobody expected nothing from. They got a bunch of role players that nobody cares about and that nobody wanted. And from that point, what we've seen is this team has kind of taken that blue-collar, lunch-pail work ethic to the point where now they've vaulted themselves into fourth place. And they're still hungry. And even in fourth place, and even as well as they're playing, they, you know, they, they I tell you what, nobody wants to see them right now. We've had them going 11 times against the spread where they've won. You know, you're on an eight-game win streak where you've beaten some quality teams and where you've had to go against playoff-caliber uh, opponents. But, you know, the main thing about this Knicks team is the most dangerous thing, and what I've told Jeffrey is, this is a team that nobody expects anything from. And when you have nothing to lose, you have everything to gain. And this Knicks team goes out every single night and plays hard. You might blow that team out, but you are going to get the hardest 42, 48 minutes that you've ever seen from this Knicks team no in team over a decade. No team wants to play him. No team wants to play him because they're going to come back with a nub. So, you know, I tell you this, uh, with the effort that the Knicks are playing with and with the, the amount of expectations that are not there for this team, you have a dangerous team come down the stretch. And, you know, I told Jeffrey this. I mean, if you see the Brooklyn Nets, you know, in the semifinals, I would love to see that playoff matchup. And Brooklyn better win the first two games because if you drop one or two games to the Knicks in a playoff series where you're supposed to win the championship – that could be a dangerous series for not just the Nets, but for any team in the Eastern Conference. But, um, you know, I thank you to all the Knicks fans out there that have been, you know, sticking true with the Knicks. Um, I've heard a lot of people that were, you know, doubting this team, talking about, you know, Tom Thibodeau would run these guys to the ground. Um, I've heard a lot of things about just how fragile uh, the players were on the Knicks and, and just how they couldn't do it. But um, continue to doubt them because I promise you this, this Knicks team will be in the playoffs and, you know, if they can just stay out of that play out of that play-in tournament, you can see a long run from this Knicks team. But I did promise you all a, a nice guest here on the show. I'd love to talk Knicks all day with you. But I do have somebody who's itching and raring to go here to be on the show. He's had one of the best uh, YouTube video episodes here on the show. 
Um, he's not someone who's afraid to be himself and speak his mind. And to that is why he's earned himself a second chair uh, on this Talk That Talk show. So everybody, please give a warm round of applause for my boy, Andrew <laughs> Disney. What's going on, world? How are you out there? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. But, um, you know, from the last time we saw you, you were on a, a double feature episode with Skilly. And that, you know, happened a little bit time ago. So can you talk to everybody and tell me, you know, what you've been up to uh, since that last episode aired? Um, since the last episode, I've just been, you know, trying to keep my head above water, keep myself out of trouble, and uh, keep myself happy. And I've been doing a pretty good job of all three, so... I'm, I'm all right, and I've been working hard. It's summertime, so I'm, I also work for a heating and air conditioning company. I'm not going to step on nobody's toes, so I'm not going to shout them out. But, you know what I mean? It's getting hot and busy, so we're doing good. Oh, man, and I think, you know, the big thing that you talk about and that you mentioned was, you know, keeping yourself happy. And um, I know me personally, you know, I've gotten to the golf course a lot more. Um, you know, I'm going to be going out with the fam tomorrow. Um, I've gotten a lot of, you know, bowling is ramped up. So, you know, those, those are some of the things that, you know, have been activities to help me, you know, be happy and to, to exercise and have that enjoyment. So what have been those things that, you know, have you've added to your life to help you to maintain that happiness? Uh, I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> Which is now legal in Jersey. Yeah, so don't worry about that. Um, no, I just, <clears throat> excuse me, I think for me personally, keeping myself happy is uh, being aware of, of my thoughts and, and what I'm thinking and, and where I'm at on a day-to-day -day basis. So I've been trying to, you know, make sure that I'm not too off kilter um, and, and too out of whack. So, I mean, nothing specific. I mean, I've been smoking some weed. I've been watching some TV. I just watched uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, okay. which was dope. Um, so I've just been trying to, you know, I've been working a lot and just staying out the way is the best way I could put it. That's, that keeps me happy. Hey, and, you know, I think that, you know, those – you know, activities and the things that, you know, you're passionate, whether it be, you know, smoking, or, you know, watching movies or, you know, you know, and you talked a little bit before about how passionate you were with your job. And I think, you know, those are all things that definitely can attribute to happiness and to self-sustain that as well, too. But, you know, I think that one of the things that is hard for us and sometimes it can be a little bit gray area is, you know, to provide those self litmus tests or whatever. So, mm. you know, what kind of self litmus test do you do for yourself to make sure that you know that you're okay? All right. So for me, I, I can, I have like uh, automatic thoughts. Um, so if my automatic thoughts start to skew negative or in a, a less than friendly way, you know what I mean? I kind of check myself and uh, assess what's going on in my life around me. Is everything, you know, proper? Am I slacking anywhere? Or or just trying to, you know, be very aware of what I'm thinking, why I'm thinking it, and and trying to avoid situations that cause me to, to have automatic negative thoughts. Because negative thoughts happen, but the automatic ones are the ones that I find troubling. But um, I just, you know, once I, once I see them, I, I stop. Reassess what's going on, and if there's things that need to be changed, they be they are changed. And you know, if if there's things I need to calm down on, I calm down on, and, and just try to you know keep a, a a daily inventory of of myself and where I'm at. Facts, and I think that um, for me personally, you know, 
the way that I kind of had those negative thoughts were, especially today, um, I didn't even want to go to the gym. I just came back from Atlantic City, had a great time, but, you know, I didn't necessarily want to exactly go and do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, part of the way that I was able to, you know, push past those negative thoughts and, oh, I could get it tomorrow, oh, I'm too tired, was to remember the goal that I had of, you know, being on the beach with my shirt off Mm -hmm. and enjoying that and, you know, the progress that I've taken to get to that. That time is coming, so I hope you've been on it. (laughs) And I, I tell you what, like I said I, I feel great i've been you know in much better spirits and Good. you know that the physical health is you know help with that mental but i guess you know one of the things that i wanted to ask you was you know how when those negative thoughts come in your mind you know what do you do to try and like push those out like i said for me like specifically yeah uh so one trick that i, I don't know where i picked up somewhere is like i try to immediately think the opposite Okay. So like whatever it is that I'm thinking that's like causing me stress or, or whatever, I try to immediately think of the opposite and consider that that's also a possibility. So often it's like I'm thinking that everything is the worst and it, it, the worst is what's going to happen. But then I have to take a step back and be like, you know what? It could go the other way. Mm-hmm. And it could just be my negative ass trying to put a negative spin on everything. Mm-hmm. So I think... That is so basically just things internally like thought exercises like um, someone once described thoughts to me as like a conveyor belt and like they're going around but you don't have to you don't have to open every box you don't have to look into every thought and start to dig around and fall into a rabbit hole of nonsense you could just kind of let some of the nonsense pass and you know keep it moving so things like that things I've picked up talk to you know good people in my life have helped me do some little little things inside of my own brain that keep me grounded and from acting crazy. So that's good for all y'all. Facts. And, and staying grounded is a very, very important thing, especially in time of now of just such uncertainty, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, what you've kind of spoke on is largely in part of just the, the importance of maintaining that mental health and making sure that you are taking the steps to do the right things to give the best version of yourself every single day. Definitely. And and that's very underrated, man. But also not beating yourself up if you don't do your best every day cuz like Fact. there's a lot of days, Fact. there's a lot of shit that can go wrong, so don't be too hard on yourself if you didn't quite pull through it like you wanted to. Like if you didn't go to the gym today, like yeah, that would have been something you can say to yourself, like, damn, I should have did that. But also not beating yourself up about it and being like, wow, I'm such a piece of shit because I didn't go to the gym. So you got you got to find, like, a happy balance. And I think that's true. You know, definitely a, a happy balance, keyword balance, because, I, I, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, at least for me, you know, it's like when you have those negative thoughts where you don't want to do it, but then you, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, rise to that mountaintop and, and conquer those negative thoughts, it's just an exhilarating feeling. And then it kind of like puts you on that path to what more can I do? Definitely. You know? definitely. But, um, you know, I think one of the things that you definitely talked before a little bit about was, um, you know, I think you said a little bit before about how you wanted to talk about the Jets. And I don't know why this guy. <laughs> yeah, so from depression about. to the Jets, that's like a very <laughs> comfortable a good, segue. It's a good segue. <laughs> but, um, you know, what we've had is, and like I said, I've mentioned it so many times before where. You, know, you have a guy in Woody, you know, who walks Woody Johnson. Yeah, Woody Johnson who that you know, guy. walk around the, 
the practice facility with a mustard stain on his shirt, you know, um, just the representation <laughs> of this team, you know, and, you know, we've had a lot of turmoil with this New York Jets team. Um, that we have. First thing I wanted to ask you about, though, was, you know, did you think that they were right in shipping off Sam Darno? And did you did you think that he was that franchise player for your team? So, no, I never thought he was the franchise quarterback. I really wanted Baker Mayfield. I mean, there's questions about him as well, but, you know, the draft shook out the way it did. We got Sam Darnold. I'm not a fan of California quarterbacks coming to New York. Um, he never seemed like he had the uh, gumption, mm-hmm. I think. He, he kind of seemed like a bitch. You know, no disrespect, Sam Darnold, but you seem like a bitch. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, oh, but, no, I, I on, the, on the flip side of that, I think the kid had skill. I think he had talent, and I think that – it wasn't uh, developed properly in New York. I think Adam Gase is literally the worst coach of like all time ever to ever exist. Adam Gase is the worst. I hate that man. No, uh, but he he messed up Sam Darnold, and I think that he should have had one more shot to prove himself. Also, I think as a as a building for building our team keeping him using the number two pick on a stud that we need at a position other than the quarterback using the number 23 pick using our second round picks and then seeing what sam Darnold could do we got a couple blue chip players on the squad and we're not paying our we don't have to pay him the fifth year option just yet we're still paying him whatever it was on his last year of the rookie deal so i think it would have been financially prudent to keep sam Darnold, but you know, I don't get to make decisions, and I was, I was, I, I was upset that they let him go. But I understand why they did it. I think he got a raw deal. I do think he'd be acting like a bitch, but I would have gave him another shot. But I think that um, a great thing to ask, also, you know, speaking just beyond Sam Darno, is the fact that you know we just talked about how the Knicks were a rebuilding franchise that kind of gotten themselves into competitive basketball games. You know, what is it going to take for the Jets franchise? to move out of this rebuilding stage that seems to have been since... Forever. You know? Since I was born in 1990, we've been rebuilding for the New York Jets. So how does this Jets team leave a rebuilding state to play competitive football games in the AFC East? <sighs> that's that's a tough... Get Tom Thibodeau, yeah. No, I think, um, I think it's a culture thing. I think the Jets never really had a, a firm sturdy foundation on which to build and I think without that you're never going to succeed I hope Robert Sala is that guy who can who can bring that and Joe Douglas I kind of believe in them a little bit at this point I'm, I'm still you know cautiously optimistic but I think it's just a culture thing I think the Jets have kind of always been the the redheaded stepchild to the Giants and they kind of like bought into that that belief system or they, they kind of operated like they were the second fiddle team in New York. So I think belief, confidence, and, and, and putting that culture first is where they need to start. Um, you know, also, you know, talent evaluators and maybe scheme and things like that. But just mainly culture is, is what it is, I think. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of people were big on Joe Judge on in New York is establishing that winning culture, that competitive culture where that Giants team was going into the last week um, potentially in a playoff hunt, you know. And you have Matt Landrum here who says that your, your, uh, your New York Jets are trash. 
and then he says that Zach Wilson is going to be a bust in the league. He most certainly will be a bust. I hope they draft Justin Fields, but they're not going to listen to me. And Matt Landrum, the Dolphins suck. <laughs> so why? But why do you feel that Zach Wilson is going to be a bust in the league? Because I don't. I I personally am a person who thinks you know competition matters. I I don't know like. Every time he played against, I don't know the exact numbers, but I've seen it on some, you know, morning sports talk show that against like Power Five conferences, he's got a pretty okay record, pretty okay stats. And like he really dominated against lesser competition. And in the NFL, there is no lesser competition. So I'm, I'm not really feeling Zach Wilson. Where's he from? BYU? BYU. I don't, is he a Mormon? I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm just – if he is, who cares? But it's – I don't know. I just I just am a little bit weary of us drafting Zach Wilson number two. Um, I wouldn't do it, me yeah. personally. Well, I mean, it's definitely um, interesting to see where the Jets go with things. And, you know, I feel as though, you know, the Jets are going to be a franchise that needs a lot of help. You know, they do need culture. They need talent. They need a great coach. Hopefully, we can see if Salah. I think is that guy. I think he is that guy. I think he's got the the right. Uh, he's got the right stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's uh he's certainly gonna provide that culture shift. I think. Um, you know, he is a, a rigid rigid guy, which I think is what we need. I think Todd Bowles was the last time we were kind of competitive, and he was similarly rigid, also defensive minded. What we really what we really need is some fucking cornerbacks. Like yeah. we don't have any fucking cornerbacks. And that's the problem. Safeties are all right. Our linebackers, eh. Our defensive line, our front, we're, we're probably going to shit on you with our defensive line. Like, I don't care who you are. We're probably yeah. going to shit on you. Well, the Jets have traditionally had a pretty decent defense. We need some corners. Yeah. We need, like, some interior offensive linemen and then, you know, a quarterback. But we've needed that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, when we talk about, you know, these sports teams and these sporting events, you know, one of the things that, you know, prevents people from going now is, you know, the vast, re- you know, requirements that you have to go to these games. And a lot of these stadiums are now requiring um, you to either have a 72-hour prior uh, negative COVID test or the obvious option that a lot of people want to do is just to get vaccinated, right? Um, you know, I know you've talked briefly about it beforehand, but, you know, what is your stance on, you know, vaccinations? Are you going to get vaccinated and, and is this something that? And what do you see as this trend moving forward? Um, I'm not gonna get vaccinated right now. I think uh, it'd be wise to wait. I think um, people right now are kind of the guinea pigs, kind of the test dummies. And you know, unfortunately, we found the world found itself in this situation. So we we needed to create a vaccine and we needed to test it. And like that's kind of what's happening right now. So I would hold off. And if, I, if that means I can't go to a sports, a sporting event, then, like, fuck them. You know, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll be all right. I'll watch it on TV. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I'm not getting no vaccine until, A, I feel like it's absolutely necessary, which I don't even feel right like, like that right now. Why do you feel it's not absolutely necessary? Because, like... I don't know. I, I mean, I know it's still out there. I still go out, go around. I'm still, you know, wearing my mask. But, like, I'm not six feet away from you right now, and we ain't got no masks on. So I, I'm just kind of moving like we alive. I, I don't feel sick. You know what I mean? I'm not out here trying to put myself in any position to, like, be all close to nobody or do anything like that. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like 
I, I feel like I was never going to die if I got it. I know that sounds crazy and that don't make no sense. But I feel like if I, me personally, and I'm only speaking for me, if I get COVID, like I ain't going to die. I should have died way more other times. If COVID is what takes me out, then I fucked up. I'm so, just telling you. So I have a couple comments we have here. We, I got to laugh at this one. Uh, Matt Landry says, Dr. Diz is my primary care physician. <laughs> then you're in good hands, Matt Landrum. <laughs> but we have Tori, uh, well, you have Ish said, wow, this dude really called me a test bud, buddy. Wow. <laughs> Which is Ish. And then also we have here, my sister who said, Morgan just offered the vaccine to all student athletes and it's required to return to campus in the fall. And I think that that's a huge topic because now we got to talk about um, the, like I said, the direction of where this is moving. We've seen that Rutgers... It's, it's about to be discriminatory. We're it, about to be to a point... This is... this is. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. No, but no. what I really believe is we're going to get to a point like where you go into like restaurants and shit and there's like a COVID side and a non-COVID side. Or like you go to a stadium, it's like, oh, you don't have COVID or you didn't get tested. Y'all niggas go over here. Oh, you have been? Y'all go over here. Like that's where I think we're going. I don't think it's ever going away per se. Like it's definitely not... Maybe not going to seem as intrusive in our lives, but it's it's always going to be there. And I think that we're certainly moving towards a point where it could get discriminatory if you do not have a vaccine, which I don't know how I feel about. I got to process that. But it, it is scary times. Weird shit is going on. And I will say this, that um, the one thing that I've experienced, I, I'm somebody that, I, you know, I've said, you know, previously that. You know, I'm not somebody that wants to jump out to go get the vaccine myself. And, you know, and I'm not knocking anybody that wants to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, do you. I but, don't care. But one of the things <laughs> that, you know, I have seen, and I can only speak on this on just pure experience, is the fact that sometimes where you go to these bowling alleys and you have people that have been vaccinated, where the vaccine is now providing this false sense of hope. And what I mean by false sense of hope is, is the fact that people are saying that, oh, why the fuck do I have to have a mask on? Mm -hmm. I've been vaccinated. And I've literally seen one of my friends who got the vaccine who did get COVID still. So it's like, you know. I saw some bitch on Worldstar's face get paralyzed. And, and we can could, we could, we talk <laughs> about all these different things. But I think the main important thing that I want to get across is that whether you get vaccinated or not, everybody's going to have their own reasons. But just because you are vaccinated, my main thing I want to say is you still have to take the precautions and protocols. Like I said, I see people walking through the alley with no mask on and acting like, you know, oh, why do you have a mask yeah. on? Because I still want to make sure that I'm safe and I have other people around me that I'm trying to keep safe. And that's the one thing that I have to say about people that, um, you know, have gotten the vaccine is that it, it's become a little bit more lax. And then on top of that, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I feel as though also sometimes it's almost not become normal to have people um, accept that people don't want to get this vaccine. I had, a, um, I had a conversation with Mary Beth. You know, shout out to Mary Beth. I love her. But she was trying to make me seem not to be this terrible person because like I didn't want to Like we're putting them in danger. Yeah, yeah, so how do you feel about those people? And have you been pressured to then get the vaccine from some people that have gotten it already? Ain't nobody pressuring me to do shit. That's number one. <laughs> but uh, I personally, I, I don't really buy into that. Like, I'm my own person. I get to make my own choice. So, like, I, I, just for me, I don't really buy into shit like that. So, I don't really care how you feel. 
That's it. I don't really care how you feel like uh, Mary Beth or whomever she is. I'm sure she's a lovely lady. But if she were to say that to me, I would say, Mary Beth, I'm sorry, but I don't give a fuck. And then that's that. <laughs> but, and there's, there's respectful ways of saying that. But yeah, like, yeah, know, yeah, I yeah, yeah. straight up, like, it's not on my priorities list. But, like, it should. I want to see my grandma, so I'll take the vaccine to protect her and my other family members. Nah, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, and that's your choice, and I respect that. And yeah. But, like, my grandma's dead. I ain't going to see her. So... I know that I don't put myself in positions to harm others. I'm like pretty solo by myself most of the times. It's either me and my girl, and like I'm not out here coughing on people and shit. So I feel that I'm doing what I need to do for me. If you do what you need to do for you, and that includes getting a vaccine, then I'm all for it. But you know what I mean? Don't don't think that you have some sort of you know higher moral ground now because you're willing to get a vaccine because i don't think that that's true well i you know and i don't want to and i don't want to equate you know morality into this in that sense where you know people are thinking you're higher over other people because you have this vaccine because what i will say just like ish said there are people out there that do in need real situations to, yeah, yeah that need to do it to protect those loved ones and stuff but what i just want to say is that it needs to be normalized that you can't force this vaccine down people's throat and then on top of that that this is not just the end all do all that by you getting this vaccine meaning you don't have to take yeah. precautions we still have to do the things to make sure that we can go in the right direction. And, you know, shout out to the people that are brave enough to, like you said, be guinea pigs because it does take, you know... A, Some courage that hey, I do not have because no. I'm not going to get it. And there's a fact. Like, think about it. Those first people that took the Underground Railroad, there was no... Hell you know, yeah. They, they were test dummies there themselves. <laughs> so, you know, it really depends on just how much you're willing to get where that goal is for you all. And, um, you know, I'm just happy that, you know, for me... Um, things are going in the right direction, you know, as far as trying to get those things back. And I know yeah. for me, a big step of that was having the hundredth episode where we got to have a live recording of the show and we had people showing up, drinking beer, having a good time. And it was a little bit normal. What event for you or what kind of thing that happened where you kind of saw things going to the point where, I'm, okay, things are getting a little bit normal again. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I think I think for me I go off of like other people's reaction like at work for example. Like there was a moment where like we were all masked up, everybody was scared, everybody was sanitized and everybody was doing everything and then just maybe naturally or or whatever, maybe out of laziness, it just seems to have gotten more lax. I just feel like my everyday life is less impeded by COVID than it was certainly this time last year or even like six months ago like i i still maneuver i still move out i'm still going out to eat and stuff like not as much but i'm still out there you know what i mean i'm going to the bar i can't sit at the bar but we could sit at the table next to the bar mm -hmm. so like i don't know i guess the world becoming more normal and allowing more things kind of just gave me the feeling that you know shit was getting better but moreover like i i'm never one to live my life like you know, by fear. So, like, just because something could happen bad, I'm not going to not do something. And that's just me. So We said it should buy crazes. Remember when everybody was buying mad toilet paper? And, and that was not too long ago, though. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And, you know, 
sometimes, I don't know if it is for you, but sometimes for me, you know, it's almost like we've had COVID time now, right? Where it's like, you know, pre-COVID, you know, yeah. during COVID and stuff. Like the generation of kids born is going to be like generation isolation or some shit like that. Facts. Well, let me ask you this then, Andrew. I know we've talked about vaccinations. You know, I know we've talked about, uh, you know, just the overall importance of, you know, taking things, you know, seriously. You know, as we move on past this, right, you know, how comfortable would you feel living life now without a mask? Do you feel like, you know, once things, you know, get better, you would still wear a mask? Um, I don't think I would. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I never really contemplated that because it's kind of just here now. You know what I mean? It's just, it is normal to me to, to put on a mask to go into a store, which is crazy because two years ago, if someone had said, hey, in two years, you have to put on a mask to go into a store. I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I think... I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be comfortable. Like, would I ever go to, like, a concert, like, with 30,000 people shoulder to shoulder am i going to like a water park again i don't i don't know i haven't had the opportunity um i am a little nervous about it i guess and in big crowds i think anything that draws large crowds is something that us as people are always kind of going to think twice about going forward not to say i won't do it i don't know i haven't like i said i haven't had the opportunity but just i know for myself if i'm in a room tightly packed together with like 12 15 to 30 like strangers i think to myself like mm, where where are these niggas been you know what i'm saying like what what's going on i seen i was walking down the street the other day and this there was a, a girl and her daughter and the daughter sneezed and i crossed the street and it was just natural like i didn't even think about it like i just literally just was like oh gotta go that bitch got covid <laughs> like and like and she might not have it could have been allergies it's pollen out here but i don't know i but i sure as fuck walked to the other side of right away so i i I don't think we as humans like you know there's a a certain level of trauma that comes with shit like this like we was locked up in our houses we got they they changed our way of life they're forcing vaccinations on us like this is a monumental moment in in history human history so there's going to be some lingering effects i don't think we're ever going to be back to normal again and, you know, I, I have to say myself, you know, I probably will still wear the mask because, you know, for me, I've never had COVID yet. You know, thank God. I think I had it. You I think, think I had it uh, in December of 2018. Um, I went, I remember I went to a Jets game. I'm going to tell you a straight story. There's no bullshit. So I was sick as fuck, like sick. Like, I, and I'm not, like, one who's, like, oh, yeah. no, I was sick, bro. Like, shit hurt, like, body aches. Like, I never had the flu before, but, like, that's all I could equate it to was, like, this has to be the flu. Like, I was out of commission, couldn't eat, hot, cold, sweats. Like, it was bad. And I went to the Medi-Merge, and they did, like, a, a swab or whatever and some other tester. And they were, like, um, we th- you might have the flu. You might have strep throat. We're not really sure what you got, but here, take this, and, you know, hopefully you feel better. And then I went to my boy's house. I stopped at his house for, like, an hour, and I was, like, co- I was cognizant of the fact that I felt like like I was felt like shit. So I didn't want to be around nobody. Like, I didn't smoke no blunts with nobody. I didn't drink no beers or nothing. But 
uh, they were having a Christmas party later that night. And, like, I shit you not, like, 40 people got sick from being at that Christmas party. Some of them, like, went to the hospital, something like, but nobody knew what the fuck it was. Like, and the doctor straight said to me, you might have the flu, you might have strep throat, we don't really know. That was his diagnosis. So... After the world kind of unraveled, I thought to myself, like, yo, maybe that's what the fuck was wrong with me. Because I never felt like that before. So you have people in here in the chat that are saying, wow, that's wild if you had it in 2018. So do you truly believe that this has been something that has been around for, you know, years now that we just never knew about? I think, maybe, am I wrong? Nah, it was 2008, whatever. I don't know. Ask Brittany. Whenever we went to that Jets game, it might have been 2019. I'd be fucked up sometimes. I'm sorry, people. But... It was either December of 2018, December 2019. But December 2019 don't make no sense because the March shit, it was like March 2019 when it popped off. So, yeah, it was December 2018. The Jets played the Steelers, and we bust that ass. Ha-ha. Sorry, Brittany. But, uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I was sick as fuck, and I didn't, and they didn't know what it was. Like, 40 people got sick, and, like, some of them, like, were in the hospital and shit, and no one knew what it was, I really think that shit was COVID. So, yes, I do believe it was out, and we just didn't know about it. Mm. Well, one of the things that we actually do know about, you know, <laughs> stepping past COVID is that, you know, I'm becoming, each each and every trip, I'm coming more and more in love with Atlantic City. I'm going to tell you why this next casino is going gonna, is gonna to be my new favorite casino, but I want to hear from you what is your favorite casino to go into Atlantic City and why? Um, so I'm going to answer that question, but I have a, a, a something that I want to get off my chest. Okay. Uh, so for some reason, last night around like 8 or 9 p.m., me and my girlfriend decide let's go to Parks Casino. Um, so we do. We go to Parks Casino. Okay. We get super fucked up. We lose a bunch of money. We drive back home. We're all sick. I had to go to work today. It was a terrible day at work. And I don't even know why I'm telling that story, but you said Atlantic City. It just reminded me that I literally brought my silly ass to Parks Casino at 8 p.m. last night for no goddamn reason and lost $400. But I digress. My favorite uh, <laughs> casino in Atlantic City is probably Harrah's because I've had the most luck there. Um I'm more of a Bayside guy. I mean, the boardwalk is kind of like shot now anyway, but I was always more, I like Borgata Harris. So I would say Borgata to like party and chill, Harris to gamble. All right. Well, I'll tell you this, man. Um, you know, I've been somebody, I've stayed all over. I stayed at Borgata, stayed at Trop, stayed at Hard Rock. Um, you know, they definitely all have their, you know, things. I really liked how clean Hard Rock Cafe was. I feel like a lot of the other casinos, uh, they do look a little bit old and shamby, right? Yeah. But when I went to, I tried to place out this, uh, this 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 past time for the first time in Atlantic City, and I think one of the things that's so underrated is that when you park your car in that parking garage, how long does it take to get to your room? That walk seems like that's I'm fucking walking, real. I'm walking that's at least like two real. miles, right? <laughs> Another thing, parking sometimes it, it's a little expensive at, at some of these casinos, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm going to say for the first time I stayed at Golden Nugget, right? Mm. And Golden Nugget had free parking. Can't beat it. And on top of that, I was in my room with less than five minutes just from going to the parking lot, right? <laughs> and on top of that, I want to give also a big shout out to my boy Admiral, um, because... You got a friend named Admiral? I got a friend named Admiral. I call him the Admiral. That's uh, a dope-ass name. <laughs> but anyway, Admiral, <laughs> one of the things that, um... 
we joke about is, you know, and we've spent a lot of time. We'll be golfing with him and Cheddar Bob for an amazing matchup on Monday. Two Admiral, Cheddar Bob, and Barry. <laughs> yeah, the golf course. That's man, fucking know. crazy. I'm telling you, man, these guys, these two are probably some of the best golfers that I've seen. So awesome. to be able to see this matchup with them, it's truly amazing. But I say this all to say is that, you know, Admiral is constantly telling me these little golf tidbits that, like, apply to golf, but at the same time, they apply to your life, right? Mm. So one of the things he always jokes about is these approach shots, right? You can either, you know, try and chip it close to the green so you can chip it on for a putt, or you can just say, fuck it, I'm going after the pin, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll always, you know, he'll always say, Holmes, you know, what do you think I should do, right? And, you know, I'll tell him, you know, play it safe, go over here. He goes, I ain't come here to lay up. You know what I'm saying? So That's, I, I was just thinking to myself. My answer would have been, fuck it, dog. Yeah. Go. <laughs> so he said, I ain't come here to lay up. So I kid you not. I went like we we're just leaving, um, you know, the Golden Nugget. Uh, I was like, all right, let's hit, let's hit this machine. And, you know, they have all the different buttons. And, you know, I just looked at the max bet. And I'm just looking at it for a second. And I'm like, he won, I ain't he? come here to lay up, man. So I hit it a couple times. I wound up winning about 400 some bucks. You know, this motherfucker over here told me he won four dollars. I just told you I lost four dollars. I know. Must be nice. But must be nice. Like I said, the the key phrase is you know to be able to pay for the Mm -hmm. golf tomorrow for my parent. You know, for my my dad, my 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 brother to be able to give my mom some chicken. Um, you know, it it was just it was really dope because one of the things that we always talk about in 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 bowling when we would win money is that you always got to spread the wealth because. You know, when you spread it, you know, it comes back to you, you know. Yeah. And um, I just say that story to say, you know, you always got to be in it to win it. You know, I ain't come here to lay up, man. You know, it's funny. I The last time, that just reminded me, the last time I was here, I told you about a story when I was in Las, uh, not Las Vegas, when I was in AC. Mm-hmm. And the dealer told me it was about to like, put the 20 on the queens or whatever. Like, you're going to get two queens and they'll give you whatever. Yeah. And I was like, nah, fuck that. He was like, scared money don't make no money. And that motherfucker was right. And ever since then, I've been losing money ever since. <laughs> well, and, and I tell you what, you know, in closing, you know, like I said, it's definitely a lot of different tidbits that you can get, um, like I said, from my buddy in golf where I've, you know, tried to apply them. Um, and, you know, it's so easy to get different things from people and, and different information that you can apply, you know. And, and my question to you is that, you know, is there anything recently that someone's told you or something that's kind of been an influence to you that you've taken every single day and applied? Um, well, I kind of touched on it earlier. Um, kind of a way to understand thoughts and, and thinking for me personally. I mean, I kind of think it applies to everybody. But for myself, just knowing that I don't have to dwell on every thought that passes through my mind. Mm. And that was an eye-opening thing for me, and it, it definitely helped me in my journey and my stuff, and maybe it'll help you too. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, you know, life is tough, man, but like you said, a lot of times we make it tougher on ourselves. And, you definitely. Know, it's, it, it's tough because we're human, man, but you know, I, I like to say you know, from the first time that you had an episode on this show, you, know, you definitely seem... You know, just way, way more. You know, just conscious of, of the the surrounding world around you, man. And um, well, thank you. you. I try. No, and seriously, <laughs> man. And I'm just so happy to have you here on the show in much better spirits. And um, you know, I think that that type of growth 
is the same thing that, you know, we highlight here on the show where, you know, each and every week I try to get better and try and, um, you know, maintain things to a point where people are entertained. And I think that, you know, yeah. for you to come on here and show who you are without, you know, I think the last time you might not have taken yourself as seriously. And I think that, you know, here now you've taken yourself so much more seriously, man. And I think that, you know, it's hard. It's hard, especially when you have things that are happening. And, you know, sometimes it can seem like a slippery slope downhill. But I just want you to know that, you know, there has been concrete progress that you have made, not only as a person, but just as as a strong individual. And, you know, like you said, it's so easy to, to uh, overlook these young, you know, and these little wins. But mm. these little wins are the things that make the the bigger, greater outcome. So I just so, want to thank you for getting better and, and, and you know, that, and, and hell yeah, no, nah, and, and, and taking things and making them positive, bro. Because I be trying. He's <laughs> <laughs> I be trying. But um, you know, once again, I want to thank you again for being a guest here on the show, Andrew. Um, like I said, guys, you know, each and every week we're gonna continue to try and get better. Um, give you all the things that you want to hear about. Um, we got my boy Brian Spawn, who's been, you know, vehemently chatting in the chat here, talking That's about... That's a good word. You like that, That's right? a good fucking Come word. Come on, man. Yeah, write that one down. Vehemently. Ooh. <laughs> but nah, he's been, you know, really in the chat talking about just our Mets. And, um, you know, I'm a huge Mets fan. You know, to be able to see Jacob DeGrom, I think he said he has about 15 Ks here and uh, pitching well. I just hope that the Mets can get this guy some run support. Wait, 15 Ks like right now? In the chat, that's what he put in there. He's got about... Is he uh, got a no-hitter going? Or? I'm not sure. I think we'll have to, you know, get off the air here. Yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, people. Nah, that's <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's all right. But, um, you know, like I said, to see the Mets playing competitive games, I think that's something that we've all expected from them. But the thing is... The Mets are on the opposite end of the spectrum here of the Knicks where the Knicks are excelling because they have no expectations. I wanted to ask you two questions. I'm so sorry. This I'm right. so sorry. What you are asking. All right, so me. I wanted to ask you. So you said Julius Randle is in your MVP discussion. Yes. So it's a vote of five. I want to hear your five MVPs, one through five. Okay. Um, I think, you know, without question, you got to put James Harden in that category. Um, James Harden's been somebody who's vaulted that Nets team since he's came to that team. So you're not ranking. You're just putting I'm just putting them okay, in there. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm going to put also in that conversation Donovan Mitchell. Okay. I mean, if you look at that Jazz team uh, without Donovan Mitchell, they look very, very okay. And would you look at them with him, they're a number one or two team in the Western Conference. So I got to put him in that conversation. Another person that I know a lot of people don't want to put in there is Joel Embiid. Um, with a new coach, uh, with different team uh, teammates, you know he's been able to amass that team to a, a, a second seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, they they haven't had Ben Simmons consistently all year, so you got to put him in there. I'm gonna put Julius Randle in there because that boy has been a dog, an absolute dog. And you know I think that you know every year you got to put him in here, but somebody who constantly constantly is overlooked and and this is this is actually interchangeable for me because these two can interchange i would either put damian lillard or steph curry in that last spot because if you look at that warriors team you got nico mannion out there. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't got steph curry he is so no cp3 um i wouldn't put cp3 in there i wouldn't put him as an mvp in there um i think he's done very well for that team but i i, I want to see what you know, that team does 
in the postseason with CP3 because CP3... He flames out. Yeah, I mean, in Houston, he he didn't get it done with Houston. But MVP is a regular season award. It's a regular... And I tell you what, that's why, I mean, I I still... People love Giannis, but I can't put him in that conversation because... And you sleep you sleep it on the Joker. You sleep it on the Joker. That boy is nasty. Hey, I I gave him his credit. But when we talk about most valuable player, I mean Jokic has, you know, some good quality players. You got Aaron Gordon who he just got over in the trade. You got Jamal Murray. I know he was hurt, but he was one of the best players coming out of the bubble. Um he's balling though. He's balling. Yeah, yeah, Joker's balling. And you didn't say LeBron. And like I hate LeBron James. I'm I'm a LeBron James hater, but like the Lakers are trash without this man. Yeah. But 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 well, without AD, AD without back. AD, LeBron was still keeping them afloat. Without LeBron, they were donezo, like it, done, it, done. It was bad. He's think, the most valuable player every year, probably. But you got to put him. At, you got to put him at least in the top five. You got to. Here, here's the, the thing, five. though. Here's the thing, though. You know, I, I have a, a problem putting a guy in there in the MVP conversation when he hasn't played, you know, an entire season. I mean, when you look at most valuable players, I'm talking about a guy who I can depend on every single game this season. I, I know what LeBron okay. has done in the okay. past. Okay, you're lucky you threw that little caveat in there because I was about to catch season. it. And this season, I think there are a lot more valuable players that have excelled their teams past what the Lakers have done. Lakers went to the championship already. Just how much more valuable can this guy get? But when you he, talk about there it. There is no more valuable than LeBron James. He's he's it's out of this world. But I respect your opinion. Well, I'm I sorry. You have hold on. You have Ishabai Crane here who says I love LeBron, but he can't be MVP because he didn't play. So That's go. fair, but James ain't been in, in a while too. James Harden. Just keep that in mind. Now before we get over there, you did say you I don't want you to forget. Oh the what second thing I wanted push? to mention is I agree with every well. It's not a question. It actually was a statement in re, in response to your uh, opening soliloquy. <laughs> I, I told you I was gonna get that word in here. There you go. Um, I do think the Knicks are a threat. They remind me a lot of Miami last year. Just yeah. keep keep that in mind. And in Miami, did uh, they go did, to the championship game? <laughs> they excelled expectations. And again, just like we talked about before about knowing your role, this Knicks team had no expectation, and nobody expected anything out of that Miami team at all. And look what they did. But we, we I guess we have my dad who has one more question before right. we hop on. All right, off. sorry so about that. Question? What's up? Okay, so LeBron James just said that he cannot be considered an MVP, MVP because he did not play. Let's go to the rookie of the year, LaMelo, okay? Can he still be considered a rookie of the year? He has not played the whole season. Now, what do you say about it, that? Is he the most impressive rookie that you saw this year? Is he the most impressive rookie that I've seen this year? He's yes. the most impressive rookie I've seen yes. this year, so but, I would give him I would give him rookie of the year. But I, again, I can't give him that that rookie of the year because you got to play this you got to play the whole season. I mean, look at Kyrie Irving, right? I mean, Kyrie Irving could have been the best player coming out of NCAA basketball and he could have been Naismith of the year award winner, but he only played 8 games. You know what I'm saying? So you 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 can definitely qualify for an award, but you got to have the body of work to get that award. I think Anthony Edwards is another somebody that has been absolutely, you know, killing it or whatever. Somebody I would even go as to say maybe about Emmanuel Quickly, 
who who's not going to get a lot of acclaim for rookie of the year. But if you look at what he's done consistently with being asked to excel in his role and continue to play every single game, you got to give credit to that. I think that, you know, the rookie of the year, and I've talked to Peter about this a lot of times with these awards, but the, the problem, and I don't know if you can, you know, highlight this too, but the problem that comes down to when you have all these different awards is the criteria is constantly changing. Yeah. What do we define as a most valuable player? Some people do championships. Some people say individual stats. Some people say winning matters. Everything has changed as far as what is defined as an MVP, a rookie of the year, and there's no defined criteria. But I think for me and for what a lot of other people that you know truly vote in these and think about giving someone that award, you gotta have the body of you work. Be there. You know, you I, gotta be there. I could, I could, I could see that argument. I mean, for me. Like I said, it's who's who's the rookie that is the best. Like who's the guy that I'm gonna say on my squad? Oh, we got a we got a dog. We got a guy we could build around for you know the next six ten years. You know what I'm saying? So I think just what I saw with my eyes, he's the best one to come out this year. But I could kind of I I I maybe all right. I, I'll go over to his point. There should be you do gotta be there. You got to be there. Fast. That just makes sense. You got to be there. So I, I, I'll i buy into that. I don't want to, unwillingly, but I'll buy into it. Facts. But, you know, like I said, guys, this is the Talk That Talk show. We've had a lot. Yes, sir. We've had a lot of great topics here on the show today. Um, Andrew absolutely killed it today and, and provided some great feedback here. Um, everyone, again, thank you for posting in the comments. I remember one of the things that our college uh, professor would say is, you know, if you don't, um, you know, if you don't participate in class, it's going to be a boring fucking class, you know? So I think that just the fact that you all are so, um, you know, so quick to post in the chat and make things interesting and asking these questions, you know, I think that, you know, it's what makes this show what it is. And you guys continuously tune in. Um, I, th I think it's so easy to get caught up on who didn't tune in. But like I said, I've seen so many people and new people that continue to tune in and build and grow this show and that's what instills confidence to have people like Andrew come here on this show and support so once again before I end this show for the final time we're going to give a special shout out to VW Liquors located Word. in Wick Plaza Edison been getting us drunk for years let's go Mets let's go Mets we're going to miss VW Liquors as a sponsorship guys Get all of your business over there to them before they close out, man. It's been a, a small business staple here. And that yeah, is, that is sad, though. Like, that shit's been there for forever. Right? And, and yeah. it's the harsh reality of what we live in now. But, you know, you just got to keep moving forward, man. My best of wishes to them and, and, and their continued success. I uh, want to give a shout out to Air We Are. Helping people to get their heating and cooling needs in. Call them. Air We Are. Yes. Also want to give a shout out to um, Savion over at Skydye Socks, helping to make some fresh threads. Want to give a shout-out to Joe Snow and Maria over at New York Life, helping people to get their financial freedom every single day. And then finally, want to give a big shout-out to my boy Tim Hugel over at Ink Parlor, helping to make my dope-ass threads that I dropped for you all. So once again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Talk That Talk show. Like I said, you know we're at over 13,000 downloads. Um, over a hundred 
was hundred different episodes, and it could be so easy to get caught up in oh this episode didn't get as much play as the last one. But you know, one of the things that I said and I truly believe is you know this this is something that is a part of culture now, and people look forward to this. So you know, regardless of whether you're here or whether you're not here, I'll be here. Alright? Yeah. And I thank you so much to the people <laughs> that do support this show, that do believe in me, and that do tune in each and every week. And once again, I want to give a big thank you to Andrew Disney for coming out here and rocking the show. I'll see you all next week, and keep staying tuned because you never know who we're going to have on the show. Deuce.